from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. Welcome, everybody. It's the Tiny House Podcast. I'm Perry. Good morning. This is Michelle. And this is Mark. Hey, you guys. Uh, what do we usually do after that? <laughs> we usually talk about what we did this week, and this week we did something really fun. Well, that's right. We were at, thank you, Michelle. We were at the tiny house, uh, the, what's that damn place called? Oh, my God. The names, the names. Yeah, the it was that Mount Hood Mount- Tiny House Resort. <laughs> yeah. The Mount Hood RV Resort. Has opening a event. Village had a grand opening there. Yeah, it was a blast. It was a blast for you. Watching Michelle run around and interact with people was really a hoot. She's in her element, isn't she, when she's out it there? It was fun watching people. everybody's faces she yeah. was talking to. Making friends and taking names. Influence people? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, I was telling you guys, um, you, you didn't get a chance to go to the Jamboree last year. So this year, when you go, it's it'll be kind of like that, like the, the grand opening, because I don't know what was there. I heard that there was like over 3,000 people there at the, at the opening this Friday. So So just imagine that times a hundred for like four days yeah i'd be freaking exhausted by the end of that i'd be exhausted by the end of the first day yeah you're gonna have to pace yourself do you get tired um yeah i do i bet like about one o'clock in the morning like Mm. like i'm totally out of it but yeah super fun super fun i'm glad you guys had a chance to come up it's very fun and we got some uh people giving some shout outs that we'll play Right here. This is Annie Coletti with the Mount Hood Tiny House Village. You're listening to the Tiny House Podcast on the Bigfoot Podcast Network. This is Kent Griswold from the Tiny House Blog. You're listening to the Tiny House Podcast on the Bigfoot Podcast Network. This is Steve Weissman with Tumbleweed Tiny House Company, and you're listening to the Tiny House Podcast on the Bigfoot Podcast Network. C'est Guillaume avec Tiny House Giant Journey. Uh, vous êtes en train d'écouter le Tiny House Podcast avec Bigfoot Podcast Network. When it's edited, <laughs> <laughs> when we finally get around to the that part of it. When so, um, just real quick, how, how long did you did you stay overnight there? No, I didn't stay overnight there on Friday, but I'm going back to stay overnight tonight. Yay! Did they actually have three thousand people show up? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that was really surprising about the crowd, actually, kind of surprising, kind of not, mm-hmm. was the age group. Right? Were you? Was it older than you thought? We so Mark and I when we went to the. Um, Caravan. Caravan Tiny House Hotel grand opening. Right. It had similar uh, numerical responses. Mm -hmm. And we were shocked the first time we'd gone to an event like this that so many people were older than us. Mm. Pre-retirement. Just pre-retirement. 60s and 70s. Yeah, 60s and Mm. 70s. And so this event, that's why I say kind of surprised, kind of not. We were, it was interesting that the same kind of crowd showed up as opposed to like the Linda Menards age group. Right, right. They didn't show up so much. Not a lot of millennials. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are we recording a well, show that's why, today? That's, <laughs> why, that's why I hit up AARP for a sponsorship because oh. I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for the for the uh, retirees to embrace the tiny house movement. So we talk, Mark and I were talking about that at the op- grand opening, how some of the um, baby boomers have not prepared for retirement. And so this might be a good solution for them. Absolutely. Yeah. But today we're not talking to a retiree, though. No, we're talking to Just a young to man sure, with, yeah. who's got big britches and... Uh, <laughs> High architectural dreams and uh, might be on the crack a little bit. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Sean, welcome to the show. Hey, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) 
So, Sean, um, Sean I, I may call you David just to let you know because you have two first names. SDB. Uh-huh. That's fine. Oh, that, I like SDB. SDB. That's <laughs> silent but deadly. No, that's not a thing. Sorry. That's something, that's something else. <laughs> so sorry. We found our show title. That it's stuck, so. That's we a record. We found our show title. That way. Hey, Sean. Hey, Sean. You have the distinguished honor of being the first podcast guest that got to meet my co-hosts live before the show. I am so. so honored. Yeah, it was wonderful to see you guys at the at the Mount Hood event. Yeah, it was uh, totally. It was that was really fantastic. Fun. It was there was such such energy there, and the rain did not dampen spirits. Well, yeah. I left when it started raining, so it kind of oh, dampened, well, it dampened mine. Business. But uh, glad it didn't <laughs> dampen anybody else's because you did stay overnight, right? I did. I I was maybe I am on the crack because I stayed in a tent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so wow. Yeah, uh, a place in the mountains of Oregon that has uh, what. I think they said uh, a thousand, four hundred, a thousand spots for RVs and <laughs> something like tents that. and yeah. campers an and place. yurts and tiny houses, and I was the only person in a tent. Oh wow, really? Yeah, and after you guys left, it was pouring down yes, rain. It, was. it wasn't just a little yeah. tiny bit of rain. So, thank you, I Sean. Dry. Yeah, it was yeah, good. Yeah, it was fun to, to meet everybody. So it was Sean, good fun, and I and and I now have made two brand new fans of yours, Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I had to do a little bit of overtime for those particular relationships. Right. So yeah. Are they talking about us? I don't know. No. <laughs> These are two. No, some friends of mine uh, uh, met me there, and we we hang out a bit, and uh, they're now like. Uh, they're definitely going to the Jamboree. They're like, we have to. We met the MC. Yeah, that <laughs> was very sweet. As a matter of fact, they're actually building now. They're building a teardrop, so they, they can so they can afford and go down there on the on the cheap. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to use that as their sort of uh, test build prior to their tiny house oh. build. I've seen a YouTube video of someone building a teardrop. Yeah. It's so, cool. uh, uh, so Sean, the reason why we have you on the show um, is. Is unboxed. unboxed. Okay, good. It was. <laughs> we, we you got to understand in the background we have barely any organization to this show. <laughs> so sometimes and the show before us has to do with cannabis, so we have to deal morning. with the leftover exactly. residuals in the studio. Exactly. I've only had my one cup of coffee, so you know yeah. you, you got me at my best here. Okay, great. Yeah. So, so Sean is has this thing going on, designing a, a tiny house shipping container. That's right. And. Um, it's pretty awesome looking. It's funny that that we're talking about shipping containers because Mark and I got into the tiny house movement via shipping containers. Mark, you want to tell that story? Or you want me to? Oh, oh God, you tell it. Okay, I'll tell. So Mark and I were looking for a project to do um, that could uh, be like a little startup in the and help solve the housing crisis in Portland. And we had first thought about doing shipping container um, uh, homes. And we started looking into the things and one thing led to another and, and we ended up somehow rendezvousing with the tiny house movement and then it all took off but we still have kind of an affinity for these little metal boxes and so the fact that you are actually working on one and actually a really nice one i looked at your designs they're they're um pretty cool so so tell us sean how how did you get into um i mean i know a lot of the questions we're probably going to ask are on your website in the faq section but how did you decide on a on a um container a shipping container instead of a traditional tiny house well, I think um, 
you know, huge influence is just being living near a seaport, um, an active seaport that has a lot of containers. Um, I, I was working as a consultant a few years ago um, uh, in the um, Sodo district of Seattle, and you you, know, you have these fantastic wide angle views of of the um, of the cargo port and. Um, I've always been a fan of industrial um, kind of look and um, trying to, you know, figure out what I wanted to build when I started this process about, uh, well, actually, I started the process about two and a half years ago, but I've been thinking about tiny houses since 1999 when I first read uh, Jay Schaefer's uh, newspaper article. Um, but, um, you know, so sometimes a little bit slow to adopt things um, that are not technology. Um, so I've always been enamored by the, the, the metal boxes, the way they stack, the, the, you know, the, the sort of the different colors that they come in. And um, the idea that you, know, you could pick this thing up and, and uh, transform it over time. So it doesn't always have to be on a trailer. It's on a trailer now. Um, but it could be on a foundation later. I could just lift it up and, and set it on top of a foundation or on top of another container, um, make a two-story tiny. Um, so um, that that was kind of the appeal was the, the transform, transformability of it. Um, and uh, as I started designing this thing, um, you know, I didn't want to – maintain that's why i kind of came up with the with the term unboxed for the for the blog um, and that's also kind of evolving into some some other things as well um the house itself i decided to name bento box because it's a house on the go um, <laughs> um and it's just you know it's little compartments uh for living so um uh it certainly has some uh, uh, Japanese influence in the design, but uh, I didn't want to sort of uh, riff on uh, any one particular style too much. I wanted to sort of make it my own. Um, but uh, you know, taking the metal box and and uh, uh, pulling it apart, cutting it open, um, pushing, pulling uh, the the envelope a little bit uh, so that it was less box. Um, and and a lot more um, connected to nature. That was the that was the concept. So, from a build and design perspective, um, this is really brave. You know, when you compare it to the sort of um, organized sticks of wood that that traditional tiny houses are. Tell us a little bit about your your career path and how your sort of personal life and your motivations um, collided with your job. Uh, brave or foolish? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think they're both the same thing. It's just two sides of the same different, coin. Different sides of the same. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I'm a glutton for punishment because I went into the architecture profession to begin with, which is um, uh, it, it takes no prisoners. <laughs> um, uh, you know, right from the get go. Uh, I I I did not know this going in. I thought, oh, it's kind of cool. You know, I get I get to have a T square and, and little green. <laughs> green templates and um, <laughs> I can draw things. Uh, I like drawing, you know, I've always Get kind paid of to doodle. very artistic, very, very much a doodler. Um, uh, yeah. Um, one, of, one of the things, it's funny. I just, uh, I found my old high school yearbook and, and inside of it was the back cover of a, of a loose, a loose leaf notebook that I had scribbled like 
heavy metal bands on from from back in the day. So yeah, <laughs> always a doodler. Um, no, um, uh, I think uh, the interesting thing is this this as as you mentioned the kind of confluence of my profession and this. I don't want to call it a hobby, but um, be, becoming more active in the in the tiniest movement. Um, uh, they, they've complemented each other quite well, and um, there's lots of crossover uh, there, especially since I, I have a technology background as well. I, I was working for a um, uh, software maker, uh, Autodesk, uh, for a few years as a consultant. Um, so, I, you know, I use the I use the software uh, to design hospitals and towers and lots of large projects. Same software to design my tiny house. Um, so now I, I can put on my resume that I've designed things. Actually, the smallest thing I've ever designed was an 80-square-foot guard shack. So it's smaller than my tiny house. But <laughs> I, <laughs> That's how big our studio uh, is. That's the same size as our, as our podcast studio. Mm-hmm. Wow, you guys must be sitting shoulder to shoulder. Pretty much. <laughs> it's getting hot in here. <laughs> so take up um, all your clothes. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> there you go. I oh. do every time, right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I've worked on projects, not necessarily been the designer on all of them, but worked on projects that are uh, from 80 square feet to 8 million square feet. Wow. So um, uh, this lands somewhere on the uh, the... The small side. <laughs> so walk us th- walk us through your tiny house. So I'm looking at a picture. Um, there's a f- looks like a front door with some sort of a bump out. I p- presume all these things that are sticking out um, of your tiny house collapse into it, so that you have just the shipping container dimension. Is that right? Right, or slightly more. Yeah. Uh, it, so it'll be um, within, uh, or maybe I'll, I'm cheating an inch or two, but uh, it'll be you know roadworthy. The eight foot six minimum or maximum width. Um, the uh, so you, entrances, you, yeah, you walk in. Yeah, the entrance is on the long side. Um, uh, I cut out uh, um, most of one of the long faces of the corrugated metal, um, and within that, there's um, ribbon window, um, uh, a Dutch door, and a pop out. Um, it's about three by. Uh, five by seven. Um, it's just a little tapered um, box that that pushes out, um, and that becomes a little banquette um, seating area, um, as well as a guest bed and storage and um, place to uh, uh, work from. When you first walk in, uh, you're in the, the the sort of the multifunction space of of that. Uh, that living, dining, uh, and kitchen area. Um, <clears throat> and then the rather than building a full loft, what I decided to do was do a mid-height loft at four feet. Um, and uh, it's all storage and mechanicals underneath that, and, and the, the bed sits on top. And, and above that area, what I did was I popped out uh, the roof um, uh, so that you've got a... a, a taller area um when you first walk in and uh a shed roof over the over the the bed um and the the bed is basically just a it's kind of like a a 
uh, tatami mat with a with a um, futon on it, so that I can roll that up. I can turn that into like the the um, martial arts dojo. It, it can be all of that. Yeah, yoga, <laughs> yeah, studio. yoga studio, martial arts. Um, so the top, and, uh, and you got the down, and there's a couch so that you can watch movies. Oh, cool. So yeah, Michelle was going to talk about this top. So it looks like you say that the top can, the shed roof can collapse, but there's also, it looks like there's glass there. Yeah, there's uh, translucent panels that go up above when the shed roof is deployed. Um, when the when the house needs to move, it folds flat so that it stays underneath the, uh, the 14 foot uh, height limit of the West Coast states. Anyway, I probably won't be taking it over the mountains. So um, I can't remember, is that electrical or is that a manual crank? Uh, it's manual right now. Um, actually, I just use a car jack and a two by four to lift it up. <laughs> very high tech. Uh, but yeah, very high tech. But uh, what I'm what I'm probably going to do, I'm very inspired by. There's a Seattle architect uh, that uh, I've been enamored with for many years, and um, uh, I've I've met um, some of the partners uh, at uh, uh, Olson Kundig and Associates. Um, th- they've done a lot of really cool projects. Some the, the tiny house kind of inspired uh, cabins out in, in the Cascade Mountains. Um, some of them are on wheels. Uh, there's one that's on stilts that's basically a metal box on stilts that has a giant wheel that you can turn and it closes up tight um, for security and weather. Um, and I kind of like the idea of uh, having a very kinetic house. So uh, eventually, um, I'll, I'll probably, you know, put in some some chain drives and 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 hand cranks rather than motors um, to make it feel more um, interactive um, for the for both the roof and the the pop out. Um, and then the other last thing um, that uh, transforms on the house is the well. There's there's other things internally, but the the other thing that that you can s- visually see from the outside is uh, the cargo doors are are the only thing that will be visible um, of the original shipping container from the outside. And they'll be held open at 90 degrees with a deck uh, supported between them um, and a covered roof over that that's that's uh, polycarbonate. So it's kind of like a uh, kind of like a porch, but it's not really accessible from the inside, right? But it's kind of a porch on the backside. Uh, it's accessible from the um, sleeping area. Um, basically, there's an egress window. Oh, okay. Um, so you can just jump down um, if you wish. Uh, I'll probably put a mini ladder out there. But I kind of like the idea of you know parking this thing um, uh, where those windows have a, a view so that I can sit out on the edge of the loft with the window open, drink my coffee, just, you know, enjoy the morning, whether it's raining, which it rains a lot here in the winter. Yeah. Um, so what do you uh, plan on doing? Um, what do you plan on doing with your, are you going to build lots of them? Are you just, are you going to live in this by yourself? Or are we going to go with the unboxed, 2.0 what is what does the future of your design look like um it's evolving uh there's you know uh lots of things happening in life and work and uh the tiny house is uh is 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 kind of crawling along in progress where, where is the, it what state is it in 
it, uh, it, it's, it's about to get its siding, um, uh, this weekend. So that'll be, a, a big transformation. Um, there's some, there's some metal trim on the roof that needs to be completed by a contractor. Um, and, um, it'll essentially start to look like a real house soon. Um, last month I put in a, um, the Dutch door and painted it my bright, bright green. Which is amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that, the, um, I love your door. I love the door. I love the color. Really inspiring. Thanks. And, and, and so the exterior will be a lot of, you know, dark materials like uh, rusted panel um, on the, on the bay, um, bay window walls, a lot of glass and um, uh, Shosugiban um, charred wood, uh, cedar, uh, siding, nice. Nice. Uh, and it's all going to be an open rain screen system. So the 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 black uh, weather barrier behind is is visible. Mm-hmm. Um, so very modern, um, but trying to sort of um, uh, be less uh, less metal box on the outside, and 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 maybe more so on the interior, but. Um, uh, allowing nature to come in through all the all the glass. So, so how much is this project costing? I kind of lost track of my receipts after about. Uh, oh, that's I, no fair. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, my budget is thirty two thousand uh, dollars complete, um, and uh, there's certainly a lot of materials and uh, fixtures and equipment that I've bought uh, in advance that I haven't installed yet. Uh, because I've been mostly focusing on um, uh, the exterior and preparing the container for all of the the, the framing that ties into it, um, uh, it'll be completely weather tight um, after I get all my windows built. And I'm I'm actually building the windows myself, um, so I've got uh, um, some some beautiful vertical grain dug fir. Um, boards to um, to cut up to build the frames and so there'll be stick built frames kind of like a, a commercial storefront system but instead of aluminum there they'll be out of uh, wood what are you currently living in uh, I'm actually living on the same property where I'm building in a three-bedroom home I'm renting uh, one room in this house with my friends, uh, Chris and Melissa Tack, um, uh, who, um, they, uh, they had lived in their tiny house for, uh, about four years before they decided to, uh, buy their own property, um, with the intent of creating a small community of tiny houses. And, and right now, uh, theirs is parked out back. Um, there's another one, um, uh, that's, uh, been there for a few months now, um, and then mine and, uh, n- no one's living in any of them at the moment. Uh, one is on Airbnb. Um, uh, but the intent is to, uh, get the property, um, ship shape and start talking to the town about, um, making this, uh, this little experiment real, um, and getting approvals for it. And w- we've got some, some good, uh, um, local, um, sustainability um focused organizations um that are that are interested in helping us sponsor um uh 
going into the town and getting getting approvals for this as a sort of an uh, an educational um, experiment. Um, I, I was going to ask a different question, but I want to know what what kind of sponsorship are they are they doing? Like giving you money to go through the permitting process or something like that, or helping grease the the government bribe officials? Yeah, yeah. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Is that bribery money? As soon as I said grease, I was like wrong direction. <laughs> Um, at the moment, it's uh, we're just creating relationships with with different uh, folks. Um, uh, we're very early stages uh, of this process, um, and and things are are quite dynamic. Um, one of the one of the tiny houses that's there that that uh, a family of four um, was living in, um, they are back in Alaska now summering in a in an airstream and after the jamboree they're planning on taking that uh house uh uh, elsewhere and buying their own property um i think um the 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 close quarters of our little courtyard configuration might have been uh a little extreme because you could hear everything everyone else was doing or what uh not not really i mean we all got along quite well um I think they're just used to being more in the country. Oh, right. More autonomous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to totally they've invited butch- me to come live with them as long as there's a big buffer of trees. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, but not that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't want to see you. So I'm going to butcher the terminology. We're going to circle back for a minute here. So Sheboygan, I, like I said, I'm going to butcher the term. It's It's basically a method of of burning wood um, for the education of our listeners. You want to talk a little bit about that process and a little bit about the advantages um, of why you would do that. I know the answer, but my listeners probably uh, our listeners probably want to know why you did that. Sure. Um, I think uh, it's certainly um, become very trendy lately um, in the architecture world anyway. Um, and um, I've started to see some of these pop up locally. And uh, I, I kind of fell in love with the look first before I understood why or or um, or how. Um, but essentially what um, what the process is, is uh, uh, you, you take a, a wood species like a an evergreen, typically, um, in, in Japan, and this has been done for thousands of years there, um, uh, they, they char the wood, um, and what it does is it, um, it makes it more fireproof because um, uh, it, it, it's not as... Because uh, it's already burned. It's already burned. It's not. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure the word I'm looking for here, but uh, um, friable. That's it. Um, it's less friable because it's been burned, um, um, and the resins inside of the wood come to the surface and they seal up the pores, which makes it also insect resistant and more waterproof. Um, uh, what what the modern version of that? What we do uh, typically is. We take it a little step further, and uh, we put a sealer over the over the whole thing, so that if you rub up against the house, you don't end up with charcoal all over your clothes or and splinters. hands. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and it's it's been uh, it's been fun doing this. Um, you know, there's there's different techniques of doing it. Um, the the sort of um, simple way. Uh, I'm not a big fan of propane, but it's 
easy. Um, you know, you just get one of those um, weed torches at uh, at your uh, local hardware store. Ha- attach it to a propane tank. It's got a little regulator on it and a trigger, and you just you just go to town. Um, uh, and um, I'm experimenting with what the final finish is going to look like. Whether or not I'm going to leave uh, the sort of alligator look on there. Uh, which has got you know more black charcoal uh, or yeah. run it through a planer, mm. um, which kind of it takes off that layer, but uh, the the grain ends up becoming raised and darker and oh that sounds like a mess it, from it looks, hell looks fantastic oh that would be so messy <laughs> it's very messy but I don't care <laughs> it's such a design conversation but I still somehow see the neighbors going. Did somebody just burn out that container next door? Somehow. Right? <laughs> so you talked about being really active in the in the tiny house community. Um, you've also talked about your own little personal community there. So um, I know you're an advocate there. Um, by the way, you asked what state he was in. I immediately was thinking, what state of the union? And you meant what state of construction? Oh, funny. So yeah. to clarify, so, I, so to clarify, uh, I know you're an advocate there in, in uh, yeah. Seattle, Washington, right. and uh, I know you've also recently done some travel, and I know you're um, you're really uh, building relationships with other people in the community. So talk a little bit about your advocacy and community work. Sure. So yeah, I mean, this has been a kind of a whirlwind um, thing. So uh, the other thing that we uh, that we discussed uh, when when I saw you at the uh, at the Mount Hood event was was that we were both each other's first tiny house people yeah. meeting in person. <laughs> yeah. We have, we Isn't have that a crazy? special thing. That is kind of weird. And so, um, uh, yeah, from there, things have just um, just exploded. Um, uh, I, I, um, I've become really good friends with a lot of folks in the, in the, in the community who, who have been doing this a lot longer than I have. Um, and welcomed into the into the, the the blogging community and the the speaking engagements are starting to come and I'm writing and it's uh, uh, you know it's pretty fantastic so I'm actually really excited about this um, um, this book that um, uh, I contributed to uh, turning tiny um, I think I think you did as well yep yep um, yep yep and I don't know what sixty something authors. Um, it's, warm up, uh, warm up your pen for the book signings. No kidding. I know. Yeah, I'll have to do. I'll have to do uh, signing exercises. That's crazy. <laughs> Can you imagine having all those people doing book signings at once? I don't know how they're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it it really kind of turned around at the jamboree last year. Um, you know, I, I was I was meeting a lot of folks, and we've got an, a very active uh, meetup group. Uh, locally here, actually two meetup groups, uh, because now I'm north of Seattle. Uh, the other one was kind of focused more uh, in south and west Seattle. Um, but um, you know, there's like there's over a thousand members of this group now, and um, regularly when we have events, you know, you'll get a hundred, hundred and fifty people showing up. So that's really exciting and encouraging, and um, you know, deepening those those uh, those uh, personal relationships rather than just being on Facebook all the time, I think is, is, has been huge for a lot of people to, um, get over the hurdle of, of getting started. So what would you say is the, the most interesting thing that, that you've experienced in, uh, as you've 
embarked on this path. Besides wow. meeting me. He met, yeah, he met you I could know. skip that part. You he's could skip he's that not even story. over that yet at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worthy. <laughs> um, I think that I think I think that's it. It's um, you know a lot of people say say this, and uh, you know um, I'm stealing from whoever Macy maybe. Um, it's not about the house, um, and it might not even be about the journey of building. Um, I think it's really about people and community, and and that's been that's been um, a huge uh, part of my life. Uh, in uh, in sort of uh, transforming the way I see everything. Can you explain that? Like, how is it? How is it transformed the way you see everything? Uh, boy. Um, I used to be a shy extrovert. <laughs> what? <laughs> which is a, which is like a really weird combination, right? Yeah. I get I get all this energy from being around other people, mm-hmm. but um, uh, uh, I used to not engage not speak to them um but now um uh, just i'm so passionate about the the tiny house movement and um the, the its intersections with uh the other things in my professional career like um sustainable design and um architecture and um uh, art and sculpture and things like that um that uh, uh that that shell, that sort of protective layer is gone. And, uh, um, I'm fully out there now <laughs> talking to people and, um, you know, I'll, I'll strike up conversations with people randomly, um, uh, in, in other contexts. Um, and we find that there's, there's this, you know, Oh yeah. Tiny houses. I've heard of those. I have seen that show. I'm like, which one? <laughs> yeah, there's seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's fun. It's it's been really, really um, just amazing to sort of step outside myself and 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 become uh, a new person. And, and then, what would be the okay? So this, you're this new person now. So this might be a hard question to answer. What would be the most challenging thing that you've faced as you've come into this new part of your life? <sighs> Saying goodbye to old things. Um, uh, that's been hard. Um, like, like what? Uh, uh don't want to go there. Oh. <laughs> Take a porn uh, collection. Um, you know, down the, the downsizing, um, uh, thing was, uh, was very challenging at first. Um, uh, how did you go about that? I mean, were you originally saying, I'll get rid of this and this, and then realizing you need to go the other direction? Or what was your kind of methodology? Well, the challenge was um, uh, a little bit over two years ago, I got separated from my wife. And um, uh, and so I could do some of that downsizing on my own, but we really had to come back together again and, and say, okay, we need to we need to make some, some joint decisions about these things. And... Um, I was expecting that to be very difficult, but it was actually really uh, supportive and uh, 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 a very good experience. So, and uh, surprisingly, uh, uh, 
things are uh, things are okay. Things are okay with regard to your relationship you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, so did she appreciate the fact that you were moving into a tiny house, or had you made that decision at that time? Uh, she was supportive, but I don't know if appreciative is the right word. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think um, we don't agree on a lot of those uh, uh, those things, but uh, um, but very supportive for sure. Mm-hmm. And so what was what was the difficulty with regard to like can you give us a story of of one thing that you realized you had to give up like a grand piano for example and just didn't <laughs> want to let it go or something like that No you know it was always these little things like what? Um, um oh you, you know things that were gifts like books or little mementos and things like that that um uh Either they had been in boxes through several moves, or um, just realizing that um, uh, they didn't have uh, the same meaning that they had originally. Yeah. Um, or it was okay. Uh, and once I kind of got past that, I said it was okay to sort of have the memory of that thing without having the thing. Um, and that and that was um, uh, that was the best discovery uh to get to the point where i could actually go through all my clutter because um i don't i don't know if i was considering myself a hoarder at the time um i just had a lot of junk and it was just you know crammed in closets and attics and garages and storage lockers etc um uh but i've i've lived with um, with people who have had uh, severe hoarding tendencies and um, some of my family members uh, who've now passed, uh, um, you know, really suffered from this. And so I wanted to make sure that um, if that was, if that was a, uh, a, a possible uh, path uh, that was in my family's history, I didn't want to make sure. I, I wanted to make sure I did not repeat um, some of those mistakes. Yeah. One, I know Perry's got a follow up question, but one real kind of tied in story is in the movie Harold and Maud, which is one of my mm-hmm. favorite when I was young. So Harold makes this coin, you know, where you can kind of punch words into a coin and it says, you know, Harold loves Maud. And he goes and he gives it to her in this real sweet moment. They're sitting on like a dock or by some water or a stream or something like that. And she looks at it and talks about, oh, this is just so lovely. And she flips it into the water. Oh. And he's like, what? And she goes, well, now I'll always know where it is. Nice. Oh, wow. Anyway. I like that. Wow. I, I need to watch that again. It's been a long time. Oh, I've never seen it. It's very good. Put it on your list. Yeah. So so the, the decision, so part of the decision, was part of the decision to move into a tiny house an attempt to avert what you perceived as this potential, let me just call it genetic thing of your family having this hoarding history? I wanted to focus less on things in general mm. um, and more on myself and relationships and um, uh, um, being uh, out in the world away from uh, the sort of uh, the, the comfort and safety of home, um, you know, experiencing the sort of um, the serendipity of, of life and allowing myself to be vulnerable and, 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 uh, uh, um, 
receptive of of new ideas, new things. Nice. So, so you've kind of had a. You mentioned earlier becoming a new person. You really have kind of had kind of a transformation of personal experience. Maybe mm-hmm. were you were you living mostly in the space between your ears before you embarked on this journey? I think so. I um. I, uh, most of my close friends were, um, on the East coast where, where I had moved from, um, a few years ago to, to the Pacific Northwest and, um, uh, not having, not having close relationships, uh, nearby, uh, other than, um, you know, family members was, uh, was very limiting. And so now, um, you know, both, well, as, as Michelle mentioned, I'm also a, a, a recent vegan. So there, there's the sort of two communities of the tiny house and the vegan world have kind of created these, uh, um, these great, um, uh, group of people that I can, um, uh, hang out with, you know, go to events with, be more, um, connected to and, and, and and sort of uh, have a have a life outside of work, um, uh, because the you know the, the sort of nine to five job is not really uh, conducive to uh, uh, creating close friendships. Yeah, it's interesting that this tiny house movement, as well as some others that uh, I'm aware of, seem to create, and maybe this is a lot of this is going on these days. This kind of a redemption process for people where mm-hmm. they've gotten into this situation where they're not really themselves and then something happens and they they have this trajectory shift and all of a sudden they come into themselves. It sounds like you've gone through this sort of same sort of process through the benefit of getting involved in the tiny house movement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I do a lot of meditation and there's a there's a thing in, um, in uh, Buddhist uh, meditation practices called uh, uh, getting hooked or getting stuck. Um, and, and realizing that I was stuck, um, and what I needed to do was sort of evaluate that, think about what was, what was, uh, uh, keeping me from being myself, um, uh, and, and, uh, and dealing with that, uh, was, uh, you know, enabled by all of this. Yeah. So I have a whole new level of sort of appreciation for, again, our first meeting, to, to let the listeners, what I did was I was going to be actually traveling up north in the, in the Seattle area. And I went on Facebook and I'm like, hey, I'm going to be in the area. So does anybody want to hang out? I mean, just totally, you know, open call to meet other people in the tiny house community. And Sean showed up and we were there for a while and had coffee and it was really fun. But in consideration of the stories that you just told about your development and your relationships, was that the first time you'd ever done something like that? Um, how difficult or what was the process of sort of really reaching outside your comfort zone and meeting some complete random crazy stranger? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe Uh, that might've been one of, one of the first, if not the first, Um, uh, uh, boy, I I, I don't know. It's uh, a little fuzzy on the, on the details, but, but yeah, I thought it was, it was pretty cool. I'm like, I need to talk more about this idea of tiny houses because it was before I went to like my first major event and, um, 
uh, got to actually stay in one. And I, I'm like, oh, you're building one? I want to talk to you. <laughs> you mean you don't remember what I was wearing? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, I remember right you, now. Had, <laughs> you had really cool hair. <laughs> That's good enough. That's good enough. Good answer. Good answer, yes. So, um, so Sean, it was a pleasure talking with you. Uh, really enjoyed you being on the show and sharing your stories. And your your tiny house is is uh, or your con- what do you call it? Do you call it a tiny house or do you call it a container home? Uh, both. both. I call yeah. it I call it both. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the bento box. And, Got it. You know, um, yeah. uh, it can it can like I say, it's transformable. It can mm-hmm. be whatever it needs to be. Right on, man. Well, thanks again for being on the show. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on and hearing your stories. And, it was my pleasure. Yeah. And listeners, be sure to tune in next week when we are going to be speaking with... Vina Lestado. Who the hell is that? Who is that? Soul House. Soul House. Soul House. Okay, awesome. Another architect. Yes, oh, another architect. Awesome. She's wonderful. Oh, cool. That's she a good endorsement. for me. Well, there you go, <laughs> listeners. You have to listen because she's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> but so are you. Well, so I was just going to say, so are you, Michelle. Uh, oh, my God. Shut Mark, this thing down. Mark, you're nice, too. I am not. Yeah. I'm nice <laughs> on certain days. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, uh, thanks, John. Thank you. And thanks, listeners. Have a good week, and talk to you next week. Talk to you next See week. Ya, Bye. Be Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>